Let's hear God's word. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. This is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's once again pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is recorded in sacred scripture. Even the first verse of this epistle to the Corinthians. So we ask you to bless it and make it fruitful. And we ask this in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. What is in a name? Me and my wife discussed that when we had children. We decided that we would name the children biblical names. Hannah means favored one. And Samuel means I prayed to God. The name of Andrew we liked because Andrew was the brother of Simon Peter. And we said that there would not be Peter without Andrew's evangelism. We chose the name Leah because her name represents her faith. When Leah gave birth to Judah, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So just what is in a name? These four descriptions at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul, called, apostle, by the will of God, are interchangeable. They describe one person, namely Paul, in three particular details, which he would like to communicate to the church of God in Corinth. He could have just said these words and you could have identified him, couldn't you? He could have said the called one to the church of God or the apostle of Jesus Christ. And you could have recognized him as the apostle Paul or maybe just one of the twelve. But in content, you could have have readily identified him that this was Paul speaking. These four words describe him. And as I said, these terms are interchangeable. However, Paul wrote all these self-descriptions in the letter to the Corinthians to give authority to his writings because apparently the Corinthians did not believe it. Paul wrote as a chosen one, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as by the will of God, because apparently they did not believe that he had the authority of Jesus. And they did not believe the word, the word that he wrote to be the will of God. I think Paul's self-identification can explain the sometimes harsh and severe content wherein he authoritatively revealed the will of God. The theme of this passage, or doctrine of this passage, is uh, is this, as it is is recorded in your bulletin insert. Paul reveals himself in these ways so that it will be accepted as it is truly the divine word of God. You may recognize this. It was taken from Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13. 
And we thank, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it was truly the word of God. This belongs equally to the epistle of the Corinthians, that Paul is going to extreme measures to have his letter addressed with due reverence, because it is not from man, but it is truly from God. Now let us move to the exposition. Paul most likely wrote this letter to the Corinthians in 55 AD while on his third missionary journey. He had met the Corinthians on his second missionary journey, and he had heard reports of trouble. He had heard of serious problems, including, but not limited to, divisions within the church, sexual immorality such as is not even tolerated among the pagans, a son taking his father's wife, presumably his stepmother, confusion about lawsuits among believers, food offered to idols, should one wear a head covering, divisions in regard to the sacraments, and confusion about spiritual gifts, and confusion even about the fundamental nature of such things as Christ's resurrection. These were all serious issues, and issues that needed to be addressed. Therefore, Paul took action. He wrote this epistle and declares his authority. He declares the authority as if listening to a command of God, if they would but listen to him. We need to consider the names or descriptions of Paul to begin with to arrive at a true sense of the text. First, the names of Paul. Let's take first his given name, Saul. Saul means asked for, and he was a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. He was named after the most illustrious member of that tribe, the first king of Israel. Giving this name to him, you began to see what his parents were aiming for, greatness. Although we know little about his parents, you can deduce a few things. According to the law, his parents circumcised him on the eighth day. According to the rituals of Jewish law given to us by Josephus and Philo, he began reading scripture at no more than five years old, and Jewish traditions by ten. At thirteen, he would have been a bar mitzvah candidate. According to the rabbinic tradition, the more promising students were supposed to be led by a teacher. And according to Acts 22.3, he was promising enough to be trained by the foremost teacher of the Israelite world, Gamaliel. According to Acts 16 and 22, he was of the city of Tarsus and had Roman citizenship. This suggests that his parents were wealthy or of noble descent. His parents intended him to be great. And so he was great in the eyes of the law and traditions of men. So that he could say in Philippians 3 that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
of the tribe of Benjamin, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. But this is not what he self-identifies as to this Gentile church. Secondly, he identifies as simply Paul. By his parents, Saul was intended for greatness. Nevertheless, he was no longer called by his Jewish name, but by his stated name, Paul. Luke never mentions Saul again after Acts 13, verse 9. He would bear his Gentile name, Paul, which means of little or of small account. This little or small account reconciles with the, the contents of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 1 Corinthians 4, 9, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as the last of all men, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. And finally, he says in, verse, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, I am unworthy to be called an apostle. With all these words, he declared that he considers, considers himself, Paul, little and despised in the world, of small account in the eyes of the world. Nevertheless, he'd been given authority as he has been called as he has been called. I would like to make the case that it seems to me this functions as a call narrative. Let me explain what that means. Do you remember when Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and almost all the prophets were called to the prophetic ministry? They each had a call narrative. That is a story how they were called and commissioned to a specific people group, whether Israel or Judah or, in Jonah's case, Assyria. They were compelled to go and speak under the assurance that they were speaking for God. As Palmer Robertson commented, this sense of calling from God dramatically affected their work. They had no doubt that they had been commissioned by the Lord to be his messenger. Isaiah was called up to the heavens and he saw the holy God and he saw his robe fill the temple. And he declared, woe is me, for I am undone. And what did God say to him? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. This was a call narrative. And do you remember the first chapter of Jeremiah? Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you 
to be a prophet to the nations. That was a call narrative. Finally, in Ezekiel chapter 2, after God had revealed himself in chapter 1 in his glory, God spoke and said, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. This also was a call narrative. Paul also had a call narrative. On the road to Damascus, he found this narrative. And he expressed the Damascus Road experience with three recordings or retellings in Acts chapter 9 and chapter 22 and chapter 26. And it is expressed in the terms of a triune call. So let's look at this triune call. In Galatians 1.15, Paul records that the, the, father, uh, the father called him. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. In these words, Paul was describing to have been called by the father. The son's calling is obviously the the Damascus road which Paul described in Acts 22.10. And Paul said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that has, that has been appointed for you to do. And the Spirit's call is taken from Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for I have for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas were called by the Holy Spirit and set apart, uh, set apart by the laying on of hands. Paul was called by each of the Trinitarian persons. God the Father had set him apart to reveal the Son, and the Holy Spirit had demonstrated that by the laying on of hands. Not only was he called, he was was also an apostle of Jesus Christ. The the meaning of this self-identification is one who is sent, or a messenger, But the important aspect of this detail is his sender. And this identification betrays two things. One, the authority of Christ. If Paul is sent by Jesus Christ, it means you had better listen to him. Simon Kistemacher says in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, when Jesus called Paul to be an apostle. He endowed Paul with divine authority to preach the gospel and to address all the churches. Consequently, no one in the Corinthian church could legitimately question Paul's 
apostolicity. Should anyone do so, he would be opposing the Lord. An apostle has divine authority to preach and address all the churches in Jesus' name. And for the sake of Jesus, or else run the risk of opposing God. May it never be said that we oppose God by rejecting his apostles. This this detail also supplies another implication. The truthfulness of Christ. Saying that he is an apostle of Christ also gives the Corinthians assurance that he would speak truthfully as from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus, after all, sent him and we had better get and he had better get. Get it right. My children did not kiss me the other day at bedtime. And uh, uh, Andrew came out of the, the bathroom where they brushed their teeth late or, or last. And I said, um, and I said to him, the other children didn't kiss me goodnight. Would you report that message? Um, and I made sure it was simple enough that Andrew could get it right. And so he did get it right. Dad, uh, dad, dad said that y'all didn't kiss him goodnight. And he of course got it right. And they all came back and, and I received my kisses. But this is the way, uh, that Paul describes his assurance to the Corinthians that everything I say is from the Lord. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. The Lord Jesus sent him as an apostle to write everything that the Corinthians needed and also what we need. Fifthly, Paul speaks of his, uh, of his self-identity as being by the will of God. I have followed the Greek text in saving this for last. This, according to Gordon Fee, emphasizes the divine origin of his apostleship. Paul, as Paul says in Galatians 1.15, But when he who had set me apart from before I was born... And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. God set him apart from before he was born to carry his message about God's son to the Gentiles. This was of divine origin and God doesn't make decisions on a whim. It was from eternity past that God declared that Paul would be sent to him by, by God to the Gentiles. As Paul says in Ephesians 1, he works everything according to the purpose of his will. The Greek word thelema or will is exactly the word used in our present context. According to or by the will of God. Paul speaks with divine authority, for his apostleship was set in eternity past, so that the Corinthians, and indeed we, 
should listen to him. Furthermore, Paul explains the names or descriptions of Sosthenes. Paul only mentions this name one time in all of sacred scripture. This name, Sosthenes, is somewhat is someone familiar to the church of Corinth. The church knows him. Perhaps this is a reference to the ruler of the synagogue spoken of in Acts 18, verse 17, that was in, uh, that was in Corinth. But we do not know that for certain because Paul never mentions that detail. He is most likely to be sent from Paul to establish this letter actually was from Paul. Epistles weren't sent by the post office in those days, as you can imagine. Rather, someone familiar to the writer and recipient was to deliver the mail, so to speak. Therefore, Paul put Sosthenes in the, uh, in the salutation of the letter so that the Corinthians could confirm if Sosthenes actually delivered the letter that Paul wrote the letter. In other words, if Sosthenes delivered the epistle, it could be confirmed by the salutation of the letter that Paul wrote the contents of the letter. Furthermore, Sosthenes is acknowledged as our brother. And this has implications on how we understand the church. Paul says that Sosthenes is our brother. We have acknowledged that he was a brother and just not just a brother, but our brother. That is, Sosthenes is not only regarded as a brother of Paul, but he is also a brother of the Corinthians. Now, this is not the actual brother of Paul or the Corinthians, Corinthians, but a spiritual brother. Paul says, this is our brother. Receive him as you would receive a brother of mine and yours. This implies that Paul sees the church of Corinth as a, a family, not just associates or acquaintances or business partners or even as buddies, but he sees them as family members. The one thing that I am familiar with is, uh, is family, uh, a loving family on Lindsay's side and my side. A family may not like you very much, or they may not like your decisions, but because you are a family, they have put up with you ultimately. They have to put up with you ultimately because they love you and want to maintain a relationship with you. That's the way Paul sees it. Paul, in essence, is saying, you may not like what I write, but we are a family now. And you will listen to me because we are a family. Sosthenes is not only my brother, but your brother as well. And if I write to you the commands of the Lord, you had better listen. Therefore, having, having, exposited, this, having exposited this text in detail, let's make a, a few applications to really press these matters home. I want to begin with an exhortation to listen. 
Not to hear, but truly listen. If Paul is called by the triune God and an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, he means in the starkest of terms for the Corinthians to listen to him. And if Paul is called by the triune God as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, obviously he is inspired to write this letter and he he means for us to listen as well. Paul will include many doctrinal statements that we frankly don't want to hear. But this isn't but that but that is an indication of our hearts that we don't want to receive what the inspired apostle says. Paul is called by the triune God himself and wants us to listen to him. So every time we don't want to hear a word from the inspired apostle We need to hear that even more. So come wanting to learn and wanting to hear what the inspired apostle wants to say to us. Paul will include many ethical statements that we don't want to hear either. Paul will say many statements that will make you uncomfortable. He will say things that if you want to simply conform to the world... He will not allow you to do this. If you listen and wish to glorify God, you will listen and bear fruit with what he has to say to you doctrinally and ethically. This includes warnings if you do not listen. If you reject the word of Paul, you reject the word of God. Paul has declared to have such a calling as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, this is tantamount to rejecting God. You can choose to listen to him or not, but you will know from here on out that he has been called an apostle of Jesus Christ by the sovereign will of God. And you can choose to listen to him or not, but it will be of your own choosing. And it will be as if you're rejecting God. May it never be said of us that we reject the will of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. This text leaves you with many consolations as well, of which I will speak of two. First of all, there is a consolation that you have listened and heard the word of the Lord through an epistle of Paul. In the parable of the sower, Jesus says that a sower went to sow upon the earth, namely Jesus distributing the word of God. He sowed on the road and Satan snatched it away. He sowed on the stony ground and they heard the word and receive it with joy, but it bears no fruit. Thirdly, his word is sown among the thorny ground and because tribulation or persecution arises, he falls away. Fourthly, Jesus sows the word on good ground, which sows 30, 60, and 100 fold, because this, this ground receives and listens to the word of God. The first consolation or encouragement 
is that you listen to the Word of God. And that is a mark of regeneration, the new birth, that you listen to the Word of the Lord. You have taken seriously that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by the will of God, and you will listen. Although you maybe don't want to hear the Word, you will hear it and listen to it as the Word of God. The second point and final point that I will make with you this, uh, this morning is that we're considered family members. Paul considers the church as a family of spiritual... Paul considers the Corinthian church as a family, a spiritual family. And we are family as well. A family is made up of similar DNA characteristics, and aspirations. We have a a particular DNA, atonement by the blood of Christ Jesus. We have certain characteristics, holiness in Christ Jesus. And we aspire to be completely sanctified by the Lord Jesus. We indeed, as Christians, are a spiritual family. Further, we should consider ourselves family members. That is a refreshing thought, isn't it? We are, spiritually, we are spiritual family members, so we need to treat each other as family. Just like normal family, you have members that are harder to love and members that are easy to love. You have folks that need love so desperately, and you have some members that just assume that you love them. But we need to recognize these individual persons, all of them, as family members. Because as Sosthenes is declared our brother, we need to recognize that Paul sees us as a spiritual family. And so we are. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you and praise you that we are a spiritual family and we have been made that by the blood of Christ Jesus. We need to recognize our spiritual authority, the calling of this inspired apostle as he truly is by the will of God. We pray that we will listen to him, his doctrinal statements and ethical statements, even if we don't want to hear it. We need to listen to Him. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.